Hello and welcome to the March 2018 edition of Capital Yards, the podcast. My name's Sean Costello and if you're a first time listener, a bit of a recap of the pod you're listening to and a great time to do it too because uh, March is the month that celebrates the creation of Australia's planned National Capital Canberra on Canberra Day in the middle of the month. So the premise of Capital Yarns is quite simple. I'm passionate about fictional writing and about including readers and listeners into the creative writing that I do. And so for a number of years now, I've had a concept of inviting social media users, people via email, face-to-face, to nominate three items for me to weave into a short story. I'm also quite passionate about Canberra, the capital of Australia, my birthplace, the place I call home. Uh, and so those stories are always set in Canberra in some way. And so that uh, concept started with a website uh, and then a book and then some zines and then finally the podcast you're listening to now, where each month with the help of friends and family and other fantastic voice talent, I bring those stories that perhaps first featured in print form into, into audio uh, and into the style of those old-fashioned radio plays of many years ago before we had television and the internet and other options and other mediums. You can find out more about the Capital Yarns process and where to find places you can buy the book or the zine or perhaps request your own three items to weave into a story, for me to weave into a story, at the website capitalyarns, or one word, .com.au. Capital Yarns on Twitter, on Instagram, on Capital Yarner, and you'll also find me under Capital Yarns on Facebook. Just a reminder too that the Australian Podcasting Awards are open, the People's Choice component in particular. Um, I suppose, firstly, if you're a producer of a podcast, get your nomination into the category that fits best. I've nominated in the storytelling genre, uh, and there's also a People's Choice component. As I said, the last podcast, if you throw me a vote in the People's Choice Awards, anyone can vote uh, and let me know via the socials that you've done that then I'll reveal to you what significant age I might be turning this year. Very, very secretive uh, piece of information, much much sought after in the corridors of power here in Canberra. Well, I, I can disclose that to you quietly and privately if you're willing to throw me a vote in the People's Choice Award. This year, uh, to celebrate the time I've taken off work to concentrate on spending time with my children, we can have a real focus on their stories, stories aimed at probably sort of under 14s, I'd say 6 to 14 year olds, those short stories that I've written that are focused at that age group. And so my two children are here to talk to me about and, and often perform in uh, those stories. And today we've got a bit of a recap story, one that was released about 18 months ago, but is their favourite story, The Brumbies and the Unicorns, inspired by three items, as I said. This one was Nurses plus Unicorn plus Mountains. And all three items you will hear shortly weaved into the story that I wrote called The Brumbies and the Unicorns. But I want to talk to the guys about why, for my children, this is the favourite story I've written. Do you want to tell me what you like about the story? Um, That there's, it's kind of like a girl story and a boy story because Brumbies are mainly for older kids, older kids more like it. And then the unicorns, which a lot of young kids love. Unicorns are cool. (laughs) <laughs> so we decided to do this. So you feel like it's sort of for different genre, different genders, ages different ages as well? Genders. Yeah. Because Dad, Dad tried with his story to sort of write a story that both adults and kids might like. There's a bit of a message yeah, in it for both. Yeah, because Brumbies are more 
or not. Um, kind of so, um, so if you think of the main idea of the story, and sort of like there was this Brumby who, um, her family were very sick, so she wanted to try and help them. A magical happens. I'm not gonna spoil it. And also, it shows very that dust. magical. Just, and also, it shows <laughs> that. <laughs> Um, just because you have to wear something and just because you have a difference with other people doesn't stop you from having fun and believing in things. That's have faith in yourself because the sky's the limit. That's really nice, guys. Is there anything else people should know about before they hear the story, do you think? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I think they should know that, this, that there is a second story. There is. There is a second story. Um, is that your way of hinting that Dad should probably write that second story? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Like it says, um, they had many journeys, but that another story. story. So dad should get on with writing that story. Yeah. yeah. So look out get for on that. with it. Look out for that part, dear listener, in the story. Well, let's have a listen and then we'll come back and have a chat afterwards. Cool. The Brumbies and the Unicorns. A figure gently opened Selena's door and crept into the room. Selena squinted at the light entering the darkened room. I'm still awake, Mum. How was your shift? Marina walked over and sat on the end of the bed. Selena, my work tonight reminded me of why I became a nurse. But, my beautiful girl, you should be asleep. I'm sick of being different, Mum. Marina could see fresh tears on Selena's cheeks. My darling, what is different about you? You and your brother have your father's beautiful eyes. You have my mother's long brown hair. But my brother doesn't have my hijab. Marina smiled ruefully. Your hijab is part of who you are too, Selena. I know, Mum. But the other girls at school don't see it that way. Ah, you have forgotten the story of the Brumbies and the Unicorns. That's a kid's story. No, my love. Let me tell it to you again. Many decades ago, the Brumbies, horses and unicorns lived in relative peace. The Brumbies were the biggest of the cousins, due in part to their living in the lush and bountiful Brindabella Mountains. Nonetheless, the horse and unicorns preferred to live in their home countries, which for the most part had enough food and water for them to thrive. The cousins would share things across their borders. The Brumbies' strength meant they could obtain food from difficult and inaccessible parts of the mountains. They would trade this with the horses for man-made things like trinkets and jewellery. The unicorns are a mystical creature and they could make healing potions from the river water and flowers. From time to time, horses and unicorns would seek refuge in the mountains with the Brumbies. When the first horses or unicorns came, the Brumbies would accept them into their herd. However, as more came, the Brumbies grew jealous. There was plenty to go round, but they became suspicious of the horses and unicorns. It was particularly bad for the unicorns. The horses looked more like Brumbies, and left to run wild would quickly take on the Brumbies' appearance and aggression. The unicorns, however, were always marked by the single straight horn on their forehead. Nonetheless, the outsiders made the Brumbies' herd stronger and better. They brought knowledge of healing in the human world. The horses and unicorns allowed to stay married the Brumbies, creating new and wonderful children who combined the best elements of the different species. Until the next newcomers came and the tension would begin again. 
On one occasion, during a terrible drought, the unicorns ran out of water in their rivers. They had no choice but to seek refuge with the Brumbies, and again the Brumbies grew jealous. At the Great Herd Conference on Bimbury Peak, they met to debate what was to be done. The more reasonable Brumbies were small and were soon drowned out by the larger, more muscular animals, who believed unicorns should either become like Brumbies or leave. Some unicorns cut off their horns, while those that refused were forced to leave. For decades, no unicorns were seen in the mountains, or the rivers, or the valleys. They were thought extinct by horse, human, and Brumby alike. Then the Grey Plague came. It wiped out whole families of Brumbies, striking them down with a grey film over their eyes, then blistering their mouth preventing them eating. Eventually, even the most wild, fierce and strong Brumby would lie down and die. The illness took Winnie's father and brothers. She wanted desperately to help them, but she didn't know what to do. She was only a foal. And then her mother's eyes turned grey. She ran to see her grandfather, Mistletoe, who was a member of the Great Herd Conference, but when she arrived, the conference was meeting. We must do something to end this plague, Mistletoe said, addressing the other members. But unicorns are not the answer, yelled back a bigger, white-coated Bromby. For all we know, they brought the grey death upon us, if they still exist. Nonsense, Firebrand. The unicorns did not bring this upon us. The legend tells us that a unicorn can be found at our greatest time of need, by the banks of the Murrumbidgee, close to the Cotter. And what then, Mistletoe? Firebrand asked. Send a party out to the Murrumbidgee? That is not our land. It is too close to the humans. We cannot survive there. We will die, or worse, be captured by them. No, instead we should continue trying our own flowers. The legend says that a unicorn will help us find the healing flower. His or her horn will glow red when the flower is close, Mistletoe began. Enough, Firebrand yelled, cutting him off. I am the leader of this herd, and I will determine who comes to this herd. No more unicorns. We are a great and lucky herd. We will find a solution ourselves. Winnie watched Mistletoe drop his head in disappointment and knew what she must do. She didn't have a moment to spare. She galloped as fast as her small legs would allow away from the mountain peak. She ran and ran for many hours, always heading downhill. But darkness had begun to descend around her, and she realised she had no idea where the cotter mouth of the Murrumbidgee was. She slumped down and began to cry. She leapt up as she felt hooves approaching. I'm sorry, came a timid voice from the darkness. The figure moved into a thin sliver of moonlight and she saw it was a small black horse. Are you a Brumby? the male horse asked. I'm Winnie, she said, nodding. Are you going to hurt me? the horse asked. Winnie laughed. Brumbies don't hurt horses. And she stopped herself. Do we? The black horse turned his head to examine her more closely. 
I don't know. I only know that Brumbies are fierce wild horses. I'm Raiden. Shall we agree we won't hurt each other? Winnie smiled and nodded. I heard you crying. Are you okay? Winnie sighed. I'm lost. I'm trying to find the Cottermouth of the Murrumbidgee. I know where that is, Raiden replied. But it is a dangerous place. Why do you want to go there? My mother is sick and I believe there is a unicorn there that can help me. Raiden paused for a moment. He seemed to be weighing up a great problem. At last he spoke. All right, I will take you. Great, let's go, exclaimed Winnie. We should wait until tomorrow when there is light. It will be easier to find, and it can be a dangerous place at night. It is many days gallop from here. Winnie nodded and yawned. I could do with sleep. Me too, replied Raiden, and he lay down next to her. They nuzzled into each other to keep warm and closed their eyes. Just as she was falling asleep, a thought suddenly occurred to Winnie. Raiden, you're a horse. Why are you wandering around the mountains at night? Must sleep now, he replied sleepily. I will tell you tomorrow. As the first rays of sunlight appeared through the clouds, the two adventurers set off. They had many adventures on their way to the cotter, adventures that would bind them together. They would each save each other's lives, but those are stories for another time. At last they reached the woods near the river, and Raiden stopped. He was bigger now, for they had travelled some months. He had also become wilder, taking on less of the appearance of a horse. There is the river mouth, Winnie. We have been through much together. I hope you find what you need there. Aren't you coming with me, Raiden? she asked. He shook his head. You asked me, that first night we met, why I was on that hillside. My humans kept me in a paddock near here. One night, another group of humans broke in and set fire to the grassland, scaring my family. We ran in many different directions, and that is the last time I saw them. I do not wish to go further into this place, and I certainly do not wish to see any humans. Winnie nodded. Thank you, Raiden. I will be here if you need me. Tentatively, Winnie walked out of the woods and into the open grasslands around the river. It was a beautiful sight. Recent rains had filled the river and it was running quickly over rocks and falls. The sandbanks and surrounding gum trees, along with a gently moving mist, gave the place a mystical air. But Winnie saw no unicorns. What was she to do now? She walked around searching for some sign of nearby life. She dared not call out. She suddenly felt incredibly thirsty. The pair had found few waterholes on their travels and the desire to drink from the river overwhelmed her. She walked to the riverbed and, checking around for human life, knelt down and drank. The water was delicious, rich and cool, more refreshing than any water she had drunk before. When she finished drinking, she again scanned the area around her. 
Had she really come this far only to fail? She turned to find Raiden and had approached. Raiden, you didn't have to come. I think I am going to go back to the forest anyway. We have failed, my friend. There are no unicorns here. Winnie, he whispered, look at your reflection in the water. Winnie again turned towards the water and looked down. She took a step back in surprise at what she saw. There was a single horn protruding from her head. Raiden, how long has that been there? It appeared just now. That's why I was brave enough to leave the forest. I wanted to tell you that you are the unicorn. You are the legend. Winnie stared at her reflection in the river. She was indeed a unicorn, and there was a slight red tinge to her horn. Raiden, help me. I think my horn is telling us there are mystical flowers nearby. Together they walked around, Raiden watching Winnie's horn as they searched. This way, Winnie. Yes, this is it, he said, indicating a patch of purple flowers. I know these flowers, Winnie said. They grow wild where our herd graze. She plucked them in her mouth and the friends rushed to return to Winnie's camp. By some force of nature their trip back was much quicker. Perhaps they knew the way the second time, or perhaps it was Winnie's new powers. They arrived back into the Brumby camp late one night. Winnie returned to her home to find her mother lying down, a grey rash all over her body. Without thinking she nuzzled the flowers into her mother's mouth. At once the colour began to return to her body. In a matter of moments Winnie's mother was standing and back to full health. My darling Winnie, I didn't know where you were. What have you discovered? The cure, mother, the cure. Winnie helped others find the flowers nearby, and the herd was quickly rid of the plague. Raiden joined the herd, and together with Winnie became a great leader. They had children, some brumbies, some horses, and some unicorns, and they passed a law that never again would the herd turn away those in need. And that is how the horses, unicorns and brumbies were reunited through one brave girl who dared to dream of something better. Marina looked down at her daughter, who had now fallen into a deep sleep. She didn't know how much of the story she had heard, but she was pleased. Because there was a smile on Selena's face, and in her hand she held tightly to her chest a hijab. All right, so that was the Brumbies and the Unicorns. Did you enjoy hearing it again that time over? Yes, yes. it was. Um, it reminded me of when I first heard the story. Yeah, it was. It just brought back all of these memories of my first time hearing it and everything. So. Did you Did you like the ending with the mother and daughter? Oh yes. Oh yeah, they've heard it. So yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I liked it. It was really. Yeah. What would you change? Maybe at the end they are like literally like they she thought they were gone. You'd like them to have survived as well. But then with the flower, the flower brings them. What story should we do next month? Any thoughts? What are your other favourites? How I Met Your Grandfather. You like How I Met Your Grandfather? So that's a story set in the old drive-in, the old Starlight Drive-in here in Canberra. Um, The other one was um, a song, what's it? It was about the Anzacs. Oh, Anzac Day? Anzac Day. Yeah, well, that would be fitting because Anzac Day is coming up. Maybe we should do Anzac Day next month. All right. Can you talk about a little boy to a little girl? I 
I'm sure I could just for this just for this episode. How about that? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me again. I You're hope welcome. you enjoyed hearing that story again. I love it. I still love it. Peace out, dudes. And next month, yeah, tune in for Anzac Day. And we might have a chat yeah. then about why you guys like that story so much. Turn it, go into your car and maybe while you're driving down the coast or something, just turn on the radio, see if it's on. It was famous, but I don't. I doubt that. Um, but just go on to Capital of Yarns and... .com.au. .com.au and what? Well, that's a good reminder because people can listen to this podcast in many places on, on the website, yes. but also on iTunes or Stitcher, almost anywhere you get your podcasts from. And we'd be very grateful as if you do like it, if you could please leave a review and tell us what you think. And we could read out some reviews next month, maybe. Keep what do you think? Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.